Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to Inside the Huddle with Sammy Jacobs and TJ Inman. Uh, we are broadcasting live uh, for signing day this week. We have a big week coming up. Uh, TJ will join me here in a little bit. Uh, today we will preview uh, who might sign with IU, uh, what this class looks like right now. IU got two big commits over the weekend. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Nick Holmes and I will be down in Bloomington. Indiana also has a signing day special at 11 a.m. on BTN Go. That is the mobile app for uh, Big Ten Network. Uh, there is also a press conference down at the Hanky Hall of Champions at 2 p.m., uh, we'll be covering that live. In addition, we'll have profiles of everybody who signs with IU. Uh, so keep, in, uh, keep checking the site. Uh, it's HoosierHuddle.com. And it, uh, on Twitter, it's uh, at Hoosier underscore Huddle. And on Facebook. Um, right now, TJ Inman is with us. TJ, how are you today? I'm doing great, Sammy. How are you? I'm good. I uh, I heard your brother lives up in Seattle. Uh, how is he handling the Super Bowl? Yeah, he uh, he goes to the University of Washington uh, in Seattle. Um, he's not a huge Seahawks fan, but uh, I think he would prefer for them to win. He was uh, very excited on their comeback victory against the Packers and was texting me throughout that. And then uh, I think like everybody, he was very puzzled at um, – the sudden turn of events and the inexplicable play call, it kind of reminded me of two years ago, IU's um, play call against Minnesota, the kind of screen pass that just didn't make any sense at the time, and IU fumbles it, loses that game, ends up not going to a bowl game. It, it reminded me some of that, uh, just indefensible. But uh, he, he's he's doing okay. I'm sure he was over it within about five minutes. <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was a very unexplainable play call, and I've been having uh, discussions with friends on if that was the worst play call in the history of sports, and the only thing that comes close is the miracle at the Meadowlands where the Giants, all they had to do was knee the ball, and they ran uh, a running play and fumbled, and the Eagles picked it up and took it back for mm-hmm. a touchdown and a win. And then... Um, a little baseball was uh, in 2003 when Grady Little left Pedro in uh, in the eighth inning when they should have taken him out. Uh, but that's that's it. But anyway, we're we're talking about signing day. IU had two uh, big commits this weekend. Their class, including the transfers from UAB, is at 23. So they have two more spots open. Uh, this class is shaping up to be one of the better classes in IU history. It's more uh, towards that uh, vaunted 2013 class. I think there are some very solid players in here, and it's, a, it's another step in the right direction. And right now, I believe they're sitting at, as of when I checked last in the last 30 minutes, they were sitting at seventh in the Big Ten, uh, which is right right in the middle, and that, that's very good for the Hoosiers. Yes. Yeah, I I think to me it's almost impressive than the 2013 class, uh, just because that class was built 
on a few four stars that were from the Indianapolis area, which there's nothing wrong with that at all, but I think it's almost more impressive that IU has been able to go to areas that they typically don't get a lot of high-profile players, places like Georgia, places like Indiana, or I'm sorry, like Florida, uh, where they've had success in the past, but not to the level that they're having now. I mean, the number of kids that they've gotten from Florida in this class is really impressive. Uh, you get a quarterback from Georgia that's highly regarded. Um, yeah, they just got one of the commits this week was a kid from Texas, which is a place that IU typically doesn't even bother recruiting because there's so many talented players, but so many high-profile schools that get those guys uh, so I, I'm almost more impressed by this class because of the states that they've gone into and gotten players. Uh, it's been a tremendous job by the coaching staff to uh, go out and get this class, which if Marquis Hawkins and Jordan Howard were factored in, which they're not in these class rankings, but if they were, uh, you're probably looking at a top five class in the Big Ten because those are two, especially Howard, uh, those are two pretty pretty good players. Howard's a proven guy, and Hawkins uh, coming out of high school was a very, very highly regarded wide receiver. So if those two guys were in the mix, in the rankings, it's a top five class in the Big Ten, and that's more than you could even dream of if you're an IU fan. Well, that's uh, 100% correct. Uh, The quarterback out of Georgia is Austin King. Uh, He's a three-star player. Uh, he adds a lot of depth. I think he's they said he was the perfect fit for Kevin Wilson offense. Um, going into mm-hmm. Texas last year, uh, one of the hires that goes under the radar was uh, Noah Joseph. He's safety's coach and he's he was the recruiting coordinator at University of North Texas. So he has his uh, feelers out in the state of Texas, which we all know football is uh, is king down there. And, you know, they are recruiting the South much better, and they're getting those, you know, top 10, top 15 players in the state of Indiana to come to IU instead of going out of state and playing for other teams or even playing for Notre Dame or Purdue, which if you're an IU fan, you can't really get – you could get upset, but, you know, you're, those, those guys, they're staying in state, even if it is with Notre Dame and Purdue. Um but yeah, have to you know now IU is starting to keep those guys in crimson and cream and not letting them go uh, black and gold or blue and gold. So that that's pretty big. I think IU has done a terrific job with this class. There's a couple guys who could play right away. I think the the um, running back who committed yesterday, uh, Devontae Williams, he was a Marshall uh, commit. He's gonna. He might be one of the guys who plays right away. He can play all over the field on offense, and they're very excited for him. Uh, he was outstanding in high school. He's from. Uh, he's from a, a big time uh, high school program, and so I, I think he'll, he'll spell Shane Win a little bit, and he'll be a factor catching the ball out of the backfield, maybe returning some kicks. Uh, are there anybody uh, you see that could make an impact right away? Yeah, I, I think we were texting um, yesterday before Devontae Williams announced where he was going that it seemed like he was 
very impressed by his visit and was looking like he was going to flip from Marshall to IU. Um, we are excited about that. One, he looks like a really fun player to watch. And two, his nickname is The Matrix, which we can have all sorts of fun with in our headlines and our writing and stuff. So um, that's a win-win. But besides him, uh, Tyler Green, I think, is a guy that could play right away because of his size. Um, and and the position that he's in, it's looking like he'll be in the secondary. Uh, I kind of think he'll end up at defensive back. Uh, he has uh, he's got good length. He's uh, pretty big. He's six three. So that's that's something that IU I I think could definitely use his size at corner um, and just talented bodies at corner. Uh, I know he's listed as a safety, but I think he could end up a defensive back. He's a former Ohio State commit from Maryland. Um, I think he could be an intriguing guy to watch. And then there's a couple of wide receivers that I think could play right away. Wide receiver was a problem area last year for IU. There were a lot of young guys at that position. Uh, Shane Wynn and Nick Stoner, not included in the young category, but they have departed. So it's really up to the guys that are left behind on that depth chart, and they had troubles with drops, they had troubles route running, had troubles with consistency. So I'm looking at guys like Leon Thornton, who is from Illinois, uh, Marquis Hawkins, the transfer from UAB, and Nick Westbrook, the wide receiver from Florida. What I like about all three of them is they have size. They're all above six feet. Westbrook is 6'3", Thornton's 6'1". So... I'm excited to see some size because I think I used receivers last season. Uh, they had a lot of guys that would have ideally been slot receivers that were being forced to play outside. I think that uh, Jason Harris struggled some with that. He was much better when he was allowed to play in the slot. Um, I think that it'll be a lot better for these receivers to play outside so that Harris can play in the slot or perhaps another freshman wide receiver, maybe. He's brought in as an athlete, but Isaac James from Carmel, uh, I saw him a few times in high school. He's really electric with the football. He played Wildcat quarterback some for the Greyhounds, uh, and he was really good at that. He's good with the ball. I expect him, maybe not this year, but in the future, I think he could play as a slot receiver. But those receivers, plus Tyler Green, I think are the guys that could have an impact right away. There's a couple of other guys that are currently listed as athletes, but I don't know which one is going to emerge. But they brought in a lot of really athletic guys that are going to be competing in the secondary. Guys like Mike, and I'm not sure how to say his last name, but Majetti. Um, I'm going to say it that way. It sounds like Machete. It sounds cool, so I'll say it that way. Jonathan Crawford, uh, Donovan Hale, those guys and there's more than that, but um, I I think that at least one of them will emerge as somebody that gets playing time. That's one of the things that Kevin Wilson and this staff has used is, hey, if you come here and you deserve to play, we're going to play you as a freshman. It's not a guarantee, but you'll have the opportunity to compete. It's not an automatic chance, but it's also not an automatic. If you come in, you're going to redshirt and buy your time, come in and earn it, you will play right away, and I think that's very appealing for these guys. But those are a few of the players that I think could play right away. 
and I think at least one of the wide receivers will definitely be uh, a big-time rotation player for the Hoosiers. Uh, right. Uh, the defensive secondary took some major hits uh, through the graduation and mm-hmm. ending of careers. Uh, Tim Bennett is gone. Mark Murphy is gone. Uh, Michael Hunter, who really played well the second half of the year last year, is gone. So they yeah. have three Three of the four uh, starters are out, and they're going to have to replace them. You'd think Chase Dutra will come in and replace Mark Martin. Uh, but the two corner positions, I think, are wide open. Uh, if they move Tyler Green over to corner, he he will play right away. He has that kind of talent. Um, and receiver, you're spot on with the receiver uh, receivers. There's a lot of young guys uh, losing uh, Stoner and Wynn. Uh, will hurt a little bit, but if these younger guys like Leon Thornton and uh, Nick Westbrook could step in and play, I think having another year under their belts with uh, Jason Harris and Simi Cobbs and those guys will will be much better with another spring ball under their belts. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, one of the questions, we did a, a piece, uh, five questions that should be asked during signing day uh, beforehand. Uh, one of the big things talked about this off season was a was an early signing period. Uh, the, the NCAA and the CAA, which is a conference, uh, basically conference leaders, a group of conference leaders, were talking about it. Uh, and it was recommended that there should be an early signing period. Uh, I think they suggested a, a mid-December and early December signing period, so right between the bowl game, the end of the season and bowl games, uh, where it is a big recruiting period for head coaches and assistant coaches. Uh, I think that an early signing day would probably be beneficial for Indiana. They've they've really been stung a little bit this year with uh, commits flipping, although they've been a beneficiary of it a lot. Uh, you know, in the 2013 class, they flipped a handful of four-star guys uh, from major programs, and this year they, they flipped a couple of guys uh, from major programs. So it, it works in both ways, but I think if there is an early signing day, it helps the prospect because these guys could graduate high school early, and if they're signed before the start of the second semester, so before January, they could enroll in school and participate in spring ball. Um, do you see the uh, early signing period being an advantage or a disadvantage or just a non-factor for for schools like IU? Well, I, it's a really good question. I think that it will happen. Um, I don't know how early it could be implemented, but my understanding is that it could take effect as early as next season uh, if if they quickly get it get it put into place. Uh, I do think that it overall would be a net positive for IU. As you mentioned, this year it really probably would not have been beneficial so far. Uh, we should mention that these guys haven't signed yet, so all the players we're talking about and we'll talk about on Thursday, um, they haven't signed yet. So there's still the potential that, that you know the late sting could come to IU and that some of these guys could leave what they're calling the Crimson Army, and go someplace else. Uh, a lot of them have been approached by uh, a lot of high major schools. I mean, that's what's impressive about this class is that IU's not just beating out Mac schools. They're beating out 
other Big Ten schools. They're beating out some SEC, some Big 12, some ACC. Um, you know, these are high major football players. They're not just mid-majors that I use developing, but I do think that in the past we have seen Indiana lose players that if there were an early signing period, they would have already signed and potentially been on IU's campus when February comes around. So when there's that shuffling by other players at places like, um, you know, Maryland or a Iowa or an Arizona State, places like that, that they lose a player at maybe a quarterback or a cornerback position. They see a kid committed to Indiana that they were evaluating before, but they weren't quite ready to offer him. And so maybe in January they lose a player in that position, so they swoop in and say, hey, you still want to come play at Arizona State? kid says, yeah, sure, that sounds good. And he commits. So I think if there were an early signing period, IU would not be at risk for losing that, and the staff could hold on to the players. This year it would not have been beneficial, but I think overall, yeah, it, it would be beneficial for, for IU and other programs on IU's level, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it, it really is a double-edged sword. Uh, IU has been good at, at flipping commits, even though if you want to say that getting a kid to flip a commitment from Marshall is actually flipping it and not saying that oh, a better program is coming along and recruiting me. Um, it, it's a double-edged sword because, you know, once you get these prospects, some of the, you don't have to sign at the early signing period. You don't have to sign on signing day. You have a couple weeks uh, leeway. And so you could have one of these players who's maybe a little under the radar and then goes to get scouted and his, you know, his rating goes up or somebody from one of these bigger schools says, oh, we want this guy and he's just holding out for a, a bigger offer. So it could be a double-edged sword. Um, but I think Kevin Wilson and his staff has done a tremendous job at getting talent on campus. And and that's one of the big things. Uh, you hear all these recruits on Twitter saying, oh, we love Bloomington, we love IU. And it seems like once IU gets a guy on campus, they're locked in. They, they could get mm-hmm. whoever they want, basically. And, you know, that's why Twitter is such a great tool because you get to see kind of a little bit inside the mind of these recruits. Um, you had uh, uh, Devontae Williams this weekend and uh, uh, Jameel Cook. They were tweeting all weekend, oh, we love Bloomington, oh, the basketball team won. So it, it seems that these official visits really are where Kevin Wilson and his staff just go to work and make these, I mean, Bloomington's a special place. We talked about it last week with, you know, game day atmosphere and, and restaurants, and it's a great college town. So, you know, it seems that they know what they're doing when they get these guys on campus, and it's nice to see finally. Yeah, yeah. I, I've i been very impressed with this staff's ability uh, to not only – develop players because we have seen guys get significantly better when they're on campus. Just look at Tevin Coleman. Um, That's the most recent example of a player that came in as a fairly unheralded recruit. I think people thought he was talented, but he wasn't a five-star guy coming out by any means. Um, And then three years later, he's 
leaving Indiana as one of the best players to ever play. So while he is a, certainly an outlier, he's not just some random occurrence. The staff has done a really good job developing players, and now I think you're seeing them get consistently uh, get players that other high major programs really want. Uh, these are not just outcasts that are being brought in to develop. They're guys that are very highly coveted that are being brought in to contribute at a high level right away. Um, and I, I know the recruiting rankings are not everything, but when you look at the offer lists that these guys have beating out other Big Ten schools, and you're seeing that reflected in the recruiting rankings where I use in the middle of the Big Ten, which eventually, if you keep doing that and you develop those players well, as they've proven they have, eventually that's going to show up on the field, or it should. It's not a guarantee, but it should show up on the field in your results, and you go from a bottom half of the Big Ten to a top half of the Big Ten team on a year-in, year-out basis. That's the goal. That's what recruiting can do for you. Uh, and what's really impressive is with this coaching staff, they're doing this, uh, they're, they're exceeding what their budget says, says they should be able to. Uh, there was some interesting data that was pulled by USA Today. They do this with coaching salaries and overall athletic budgets, and they got for all the public institutions the recruiting budgets. Um, and I took a look at it. Indiana is 11th in the Big Ten in recruiting budget, which is not a surprise, I don't think. Uh, you know, Nebraska was number one at, at over 800000 per year for their recruiting budget. Um, probably some people, but when you think about how far Nebraska has to go to get in contact with players that could play at their level, it, it, you know, they're typically going four or five states away to find most of their players. Um, yep, Illinois and there are no there are no direct flights to Lincoln. That's when you think when you say Nebraska's recruiting, um, you have to fly into another airport and either take a, a smaller plane to Lincoln or drive to Lincoln. It, it's you're right. It is a um, it's not a surprise that they're number one on that list. Yeah, and then Illinois number two, which that is a surprise to me, uh, and they're definitely not doing all that much with their money, I would say. But um, Penn State, number three, but IU down there with basically half the budget that Nebraska works with ahead of only Maryland and Wisconsin, which Wisconsin being there's only 13 listed because Northwestern does not have to provide the data as a uh, as a private institution, but they're probably somewhere around where IU is. But Wisconsin being last in budget is pretty surprising, but... Um, to the bigger point, the fact that IU is able to right now pull in what, as we said, would probably be a top five class in the Big Ten if Howard and Hawkins were factored in uh, on the tail of two really good classes before that. Um, they're they're definitely exceeding the expectation uh, for where they should be if you just look at budget and on-field success. So that tells you that they're really good at their job, it tells you that Bloomington is a really cool place uh, and very good at getting these kids to commit, like you said, once they get on campus. And in Bloomington, they usually go ahead and say, yeah, I, I want to be a part of this. And it tells you that 
the facilities that IU has and that they've invested in uh, improving the north end zone, improving the weight room, improving uh, improving all the facilities that they have, plus even things like the uniforms. I know that that seems kind of cheesy, but it does matter. Uh, and then the, just the momentum and the general feeling that there is when you look at social media, all of that factors in to allow IU to do a lot better than they should be on the recruiting trail. Uh, it's it's impressive, and I think it's very encouraging for the future of this program. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, my, you know, we wrote about I wrote about recruiting rankings this week. I think that I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket. I would rather look at the offer list because I think coaches right. know a little bit more about it than these guys who go out and scout them. Uh, of course, you'd rather have a guy who's rated five stars um, than a guy who's rated one star, uh, just because he has, it seems like the talent gap between those is very is wide. But the talent gap between you know a three-star guy and a four-star guy, it, it's a little bit. It's not as much. Uh, there's room for development, and as soon as you get these guys on campus, I mean, some of these three-star guys might feel slighted that they're rated three stars by some people, mm-hmm. you know, and I there's a sense of pride, so maybe they work a little harder. Um, but, you know, one of the stats from the Super Bowl was none of the starters on either team were rated five stars coming out of high school. And so, yeah, you know, you take – you take these recruiting rankings with a grain of salt a little bit. Uh, you don't know who scouted them. Some of these guys uh, who are lower rated don't go to these camps where they are looked at or can't afford to go to the camps or just, you know, live in the middle of nowhere where they can't get to them. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Uh, if I were a fan looking at, Rankings, I would look at the offer lists uh, because I think the coaches know a lot more what they're talking about than the people who are scouting them for these sites. Although they're very good at what they do, I trust an Urban Meyer or, uh, you know, a Jerry Gill over, you know, whoever does the scouting for for these uh, recruiting services. Anyway, uh, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, I just want to talk about a, a little bit about uh, more about our coverage this week. We're going to have another podcast on Thursday at noon. Uh, we're going to have, I think, Nick Holmes is going to come on and Alex McCarthy 247 is going to come on and talk about where this class uh, ended up. Uh, if there were any surprises, uh, IU has two spots left. Uh, we all know that maybe a last-second flip uh, could happen. You, you just never know until that fax comes in, and you know all the Hoosier coaches are going to be uh, holding their breath. Uh, tomorrow is signing day. I think uh, recruit, or, or recruits could start sending in their faxes. I think around 7 a.m. Uh, so I'll be up early uh, as soon as the faxes come in and the name is posted. I will post a, uh, a profile of the guy. Uh, the forum on Hoosier Huddle will be open. If you go on the toolbar at the top, it'll say forums. If you want to talk about guys who committed, guys who didn't commit or, or signed, uh, go ahead and do that. And we'll try to answer all the questions we can uh, between myself, TJ, and Nick. Uh, you know, TJ and Nick are very knowledgeable on the subject as well. 
And so they'll try and get back to you. But just, you know, come talk about football. It's February 4th. You know, we're still 200 and some odd days out from kickoff. So, you know, if if you miss football already, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about everything IU football and IU recruiting. So anything you want to add, TJ? Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll also have the end of this week and next week we'll have um, have just kind of some little brief capsules on the other Big Ten teams, how they did with their classes. There's still a lot of uh, a lot of intrigue, particularly surrounding Michigan, because they have such a small class right now. They're pursuing a lot of guys, but we'll have uh, we'll have the wrap up of how they did with their classes and how IU ends up stacking up against the rest of the Big Ten, which obviously is important for uh, our media competition against them in the future. Yeah, we'll wrap up the Big Ten. Uh, we'll break down offensive defense for IU and, and really tie everything together to see where IU ends up in the Big Ten. And then we'll start on, on spring ball. So, uh, Hoosier Nation, be well. We appreciate you for listening. Uh, we'll be back at noon on Thursday, hopefully with good news about the class. We'll have final class rankings. Uh, to go over, and we'll have plenty of t- to talk about with uh, Alex Parthy and Nick Holmes. Uh, TJ, thank you for joining me today, and uh, have a have a good rest of the week, and we'll talk to you Thursday. Absolutely. Talk to you Thursday, Sammy. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, for TJ Inman, I'm Sammy Jacobs. Thanks for listening to Inside the Huddle Signing Day Preview, and we'll talk to you on Thursday for a, a, a post-game or post-mortem of Signing Day. Thank you very much. Bye.